adjacent podcast where each week two friends who also happen to be hairstylists break down our weeks in the break room i'm your host hunter walden and i'm your co-host erica weist and this week we have a very very special guest and from northern virginia stylist ray hi (laughs) this is so crazy watching you guys do this because listening to it i thought you guys were reading off a script but you really have that whole intro memorized uh, quasi. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's sort of memorized. Uh, yeah, so Ray is in from out of town, and we thought, you know, she's obviously going to be on the podcast, because you send me a Snapchat literally every week <laughs> listening to the podcast. So, yeah, and I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited you're here, too, and I get to meet you. Yeah, so we got to start off our weeks with our peaks and our pits, and we'll let you go first. Guest of honor. Okay, my peak is definitely this trip. I've had a lot of fun. Um, Nashville seems pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. My pit is the fact that I had to leave my dog for the first time since he got surgery in February, and I was very nervous. And I think the lady, I, so I bored them, and I think the lady that was checking them in, she was so annoyed with me. Because I'm like, can I leave his harness here just in case? And Because, you know, he only has three legs. I had to amputate one. And, and she looked at me. She says, yeah, that's pretty obvious. And I was like, well, you just in case you take him out on the harness, I know you're not supposed to leave one, but can I leave him? And how many times a day can I call for updates? And yeah, it was a whole... Are you getting updates? No. No? But I think no news is good news. Okay. Good. I would agree. I and I haven't seen you like calling to check either. So <laughs> yeah, I've wanted to, but I haven't. Good job. Enjoy your trip. What about you, Erica? What's your peak and your pit? Um, my peak was that I got to see Deacon's play last week. That was awesome. Um, he did so good. I was a proud mama. Um, so cute. And, yeah. So if you are on the podcast Instagram, we post a little clip from it. I couldn't help it. I was like all about it. But um, yeah, he did so good and I was proud. And um, But my pit was then the horrendous trip that I had on the way back. Um, I don't think that I've heard of the horrendous trip. My trip back? Oh, God, yes. My trip back. Where so, you literally, like, she had, y'all, she had literally, like, 24 hours. Yeah. In Oregon. So, so like, flying in and flying out, yeah. 24 hours. It was maybe 32 total, like, honestly, because it was, I flew from Atlanta, from our, our class, to um, Eugene. I got in at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. The next day, my mom came down to Eugene, where I was. I did her hair, of course. Naturally. Love you, Mom. <laughs> um, and then we had Deacon's play. And so we just went straight there. And then the next morning, my flight left at 10 in the morning. And then, so I had a two-and-a-half-hour flight or something like that down to L.A. And then I was in L.A. for six hours and then came home. And then I got home at 1, got to my car at 1.30, got home to my house at, like, 2.15, got unwind, probably fell asleep at, like, 3. And then 
I had to work the next day. <laughs> and that well, I got a sucked. little worried when I pulled into the parking lot and I didn't see your car. I was like, oh no. And then I looked at the book and I saw that you yeah. had the cancellation. Well, I had had a cancellation, so I blocked myself out. But the, the crappiest <laughs> part, though, is that I was so tired. I thought I had marked myself out like that whole time, but I really only did it for like two hours. So then, like, when I woke up, my phone went. Ding! And it was like a notification that I got an 11 o'clock appointment. Booked. Oh, no. And I was like, dang it. Like, I could have had, like, more time to sleep, you know? But it was fine. I went and did my haircut and took a little nap in the back room and then <laughs> powered back up and finished the day. Yeah. So. What did you end up doing in California? Like, literally nothing. I went through security and went and got some food and walked around for a minute and realized LA is disgusting and then I went back through security and man let me tell you if I did not have I signed up for clear in Atlanta it's that, the like, best thing you can oh, do what is holy that? moly it's not TSA pre-check but they do like a retinal scan in your fingerprint and like I think it's like 180 bucks like per year or something like that but you literally skip the security line it's even faster than TSA. It's, yeah, like, because TSA has, like, a line. Like, you go up to these little kiosks. They, you look into it. It scans your eyes, pops up your picture. An agent walks you up to the very front of the line, like, to the guy that takes your ID and your boarding pass, and then you get through. I've never seen that ever. So, LA. but They're LA. like, little white boxes. Yeah. I hadn't really noticed it until I just walked up to some guy for, like, help at at the Atlanta airport. I can't remember what I was trying to ask him or something. I like which security I was supposed to go through. And he was like, do you have clear? And I was like, no. And he was like, let me tell you about it. And I was like, Psh, okay. Like I skipped everything in Atlanta, skipped everything in LA. And thank God. Cause that security line in the LA airport was wrapped around the whole way through down the stairs. Like literally oh, there was no. a line at the bottom of the escalator. I would have paid a lot more than a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and that was the thing is I got a two week free trial. So I was like, I didn't even have to pay that day. So I was going to say, don't you get like a free yeah. thing or you only pay it for a certain right? amount? Yeah. Maybe I'll just cancel it until I fly again. Next time I'm trying another travel. Probably can't Maybe. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would just go ahead and pay the hundred and eighty because you yeah. go to Oregon no, enough it is. that yeah. it's going to be worth it. Well, and then I asked because I was like, "What if my son's flying with me?" You know what I mean? Because mm. then if he had to go through the whole thing, it would be like lame. But he was like, "Anyone under eighteen for free?" Wow. Yeah. So it was okay. Cool. Well, my peak and my pit. I think that my peak was like you being in town, yeah, but also taking you to all the tourist places. Because I'd never really done it. Because yeah. I'm from here. Right. So I never really, like, went to in, to Broadway <laughs> or, like, walked down the strip of Broadway at all. And so we did that. And my pit is that we went on Broadway last night. <laughs> I mean, so, first of all, we walked from, if you're familiar with Nashville, Play Dance Bar. It's on Church Street, which is... Kind of close to Broadway, but like in Nashville, it's an, it's people don't walk. It's a short Uber ride. It's a short Uber ride, but we had decided that we were going to walk. Oh Lord! Right, um, because we just wanted fresh air. Because I'm cheap, and I wouldn't want to have to pay for an <laughs> <Right>? Uber. <laughs> or that too, but um, so we get to a gas station so that we could use the bathroom really quick before we take this jaunt. Yeah, and I pull it up on my GPS because I'd never walked. <laughs> I literally have only ever driven. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about, like, being on foot and being in a car that's so different with your sense of direction, but thrice, 
three times we walked over a mile in the wrong direction. Oh no. So we eventually Ubered <laughs> to Broadway. Um and I think I had one shot and one drink mm-hmm. at this bar that we went to. And I have never in my life been as hungover as I am today. <laughs> So that is my pit. I have had a throb like that wah, 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 wah headache. Did you drink water? I drank a gallon of water yesterday. <laughs> Dang. And maybe that's what it was. My body was like, what is all of What's this hydration? This nasty- oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't think that, but maybe. But, yeah. I it's got holding one of those on little- to all the water, so your brain's real swollen right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. Because, I mean, I got one of those little cute water bottles that everybody at the salon has. Oh, yeah. So, I was on top of it yesterday because I knew that we were going to go out. Yeah. Maybe and it's what we were drinking, though. That's possible. I was drinking Red Bull. Were you and drinking sugar-free Red Bull or regular Red Bull? I don't know, honestly. I, we were I at a gay swear... bar and then a honky-tonk, so I feel like maybe I had both. <laughs> Who knows? Probably both. <laughs> maybe I, I had say, both. I swear the sugar sometimes with the alcohol makes the headache so much worse. Oh, my gosh. We had... Pina coladas at Bradley's mom's, and she's a sweet. She's got a sweet tooth, so that yeah. could have been where the headache came from. I think it's the mix of like the seventy proof Malibu that was in those daiquiris, oh, <laughs> and then the vodka, and then the random shot of Patron, and then oh, more vodka. Yeah, that's you. Can't, that's a <laughs> that lot of might be why you feel like mix. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the bartender at the Honky Tonk gave us a double shot. Oh, Lord. I don't know if it was for free. I wasn't paying much attention. Who knows? I wasn't paying much attention, but I swear to God, it all hit us all at one one time as we were leaving the bar, and this security guard was screaming at us for no reason. Not We weren't causing any trouble. Ray had charged her phone at the bar. Like, she asked the yeah. bartender. And so we were waiting on it, and he was not even about letting us say that we're waiting on her phone. He was like, you guys have to go. You guys have to go. And I turned around, and I said, I'm waiting for my phone. The bartender is charging it. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't get home. (laughs) Gosh. That's crazy. Well, it's kind of great to hear you have a Broadway story after I've told you so many of mine. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we need to create more stories because I actually did have pretty much Good. pretty fun. Wow. Words. <laughs> I did actually have quite a bit of fun at that little honky tonk bar. Which one? Which one? I, it was called Honky Tonk Central. Yeah. Honky Tonk Central. Oh, yeah. That is. Is that a. It had good music. Yeah, that it was like a live Kid band. Rock's one, Honky Tonk? No. No, oh. it's across the street from Kid Rock. Okay. Like, almost Honky to Acme. Honky Tonk Central, okay. In between the two. Yeah, in between Acme and Kid Rock. Okay. And I think across that little alley from Old Red. Mm-hmm. You know that, uh, the, the country song, Old yeah. Red? Yeah. It's right across from that. Okay. But, um... I had the most fun people watching. Yes. Oh gosh! Like it's full time entertainment like, down there. Like one one foot out of their shoes. Yep. Like half asleep on their boyfriend's shoulder. Like not making an effort to just leave, but obviously <laughs> not okay to be inside of the bar. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> what people who haven't been to Nashville, like Broadway, they don't like. What you see on TV is like not the real. It's like Vegas. Like it's wild, yeah. you know, and. That is not what I expected when I, right? You know, you it know was what I mean. Not what I expected it's either. way crazier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we went to the Kuhn Academy down in Buckhead, and it was awesome. 
It was pretty cool. Um. i threw her off i told her to keep talking i'm like what um yeah so the our whole salon got to go which i thought was a really amazing opportunity that our entire salon got to rent out the cune academy Mm. for a two-day advanced cutting class yeah uh but what inspired us to talk about this is how inspired we felt after the class after coming back yeah well and i know for me like We've had a couple classes at the salon, obviously, you know what I mean? But to go outside of the salon and to get education that in-depth, that made me, took me so far out of my comfort zone is something that I haven't got to experience, honestly, in quite a few years. Because when I was educating, I was always teaching on days when classes were being taught, you know what I mean? And you guys um, work for Kuhn, but I was with a company that was a little more specified. And I was teaching that really honestly the same class most of the time over and over. And so um, there was that. And then there was COVID, you know. And obviously, like I said, I've had in-salon classes on new product lines or color, this and that, here and there, short little things. But something this in-depth that was, you know, this whole experience where it's like I'm going and I'm like turning my brain on to challenge myself for the next couple of days was really, really cool. I think there's something, too, about getting out of the space that you're comfortable in. Yeah. Traveling somewhere else, it takes away a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you could be in your home salon and you could be sitting there like, oh, the phone's ringing. I have to call this client. I have to do this. But when you're in a space where, especially at the CUNE Academy, I feel like the way that they've designed it just eliminates all distractions. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole new level of focus that you can put into the work that you're doing. Yeah. And you just come back, like, you leave and come back feeling, like, ready. No, totally. And, like, for me, I mean, the when we first got there, like, that first morning, you know, I was, like, it was uncomfortable. Like, I wasn't at my station. I felt, like, all fumbly and kind of, like, weird, you know. But it was, like, after I got over, the, like, the most uncomfortable moment, then all I could do was just, like, learn from there. You know what I mean? And it was awesome. And, like... I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I felt really dumb and ignorant and, like, I never should cut hair at the first, like, in the morning, you know? And then by the end of that second day, I was just like, I love my job. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just great. I needed it so bad. Like, it fed my soul on a level that if you're not a hairdresser, you probably won't get. But mm-hmm. I needed it. Well, and I don't even know what to compare it to for other industries. Like, the fire that you get... And granted, ours was a salon class, so it was just our people. But the fire that you get whenever you're in a class of people that don't know each other. Like, when Ray and I met, we didn't know each mm-hmm. other. I think we ended up finding out that we followed each other on Instagram. <laughs> That's I, I followed you. I don't think you followed me. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> we just discovered a lot that we clicked on a lot of things, yes. right? And yeah. so going to a class with strangers Mm -hmm. that then become friends that then become like your really close friends that you're traveling across the country to go see I will never forget walking up the very first day for new hire training not knowing anybody in that building like the just the amount of heartburn and nerves and just (laughs) sheer like willing myself to not throw up in public I will never forget it because I was so nervous. But then at the end of the, I'll say the end of two weeks because we did two weeks in like in-person training. And at the end of the two weeks, I was like, you guys, I don't want to go home. Yeah. That sounds so awesome. 
Like, <laughs> it so was cool. amazing, but we were crying over silly things like paper. Well, Hunter was crying <laughs> yeah. over silly things like paper. I think I was just in my room crying just because. <laughs> like, I was, I know I was crying, but I don't think I had a reason. That's probably true. Well, I could see that also that that would probably be exhausting, like, emotionally, too, on a level. It was, like, socially, because while yeah. you're, you're there and you're trying to learn and you're, you know, you're getting up on a stage in front of people that you barely know. Yeah. And you're doing, um, like, public speaking, which mm-hmm. is something that I didn't have a whole lot of experience in beforehand. So it's, like, learning how to do that, getting over the nerves. It's a lot of, like, mental exhaustion, but then also social. Mm-hmm. Because then you're, like, after class is over, you want to go out with these people and network and get to know yeah. them and make friends and go to dinner. And I'm, like, my social battery is at a negative 2,000 yes. right now. Yes, yeah. It was at a negative 2,000 by, like, day two, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, But one thing about Ray that you should know is that even though she says that she was super nervous, she freaking killed the class, and everyone looked up to Ray. And we found out at the end of our two weeks of training that Ray is the youngest educator to have ever completed the course, and... Oh, like be an educator snap, for Kuhn. girl look at you i'm gonna be honest that's nothing that's it, not a small thing it's that's cool. cool but at the same time it gets in your head because you're like everyone here is so much older than me they're more experienced than me no one's ever gonna listen to me so it's those little like voices in your head that you dude imposter now. syndrome uh-huh. can be a bi it's for rough. sure <laughs> for sure well, and it comes in so many different forms for so many people. And whenever it's a group of people like what we went through and everyone's dealing with their own forms of imposter of it, syndrome yeah. and the way that they do it was wild. Yeah. That's the only explanation I have is wild. Crazy. So since we're talking about going through educator training... Mm-hmm. What, for you two, like, what made you guys want to be an educator in the first place? Um, for me, honestly, like, brutal honesty, when I was, like, in school and, you know, going to shows and stuff, I just thought those people were so cool. And I was like, I want to be like that someday, you know? And I want to be on stage and flinging hair and lights flashing. And, like, it just was cool to me. And um, then as I got into the industry and was not like working and you know education has always been something that like kind of charged my battery professionally you know because it's easy to get exhausted going through you know your clients every day and everything and and getting on autopilot which was something we all had about this weekend but um for me when I would have that moment where something would click and I'm like oh and this changed for me you know what I mean and I was like oh my gosh I wanted to then help other people find that you know what I mean um and so that's for me what I like and as an educator let's we can't lie too then you have access to like the stuff way before everybody else does and you're learning and you have access to like more people where you can learn I really like the sciencey part of a lot of stuff you know what I mean mm-hmm. Even if I can't necessarily explain it to my client in that way, you know I like to use analogies when I'm talking to my clients and when I educate, but I still want to know why myself. So you want the you want to know the deeper why. Yes, yeah. Because I feel like a lot of pe- hairstylists in general want to know the why. Mm-hmm. But there's 
there's a select few that want to know, like, okay, yes, I understand that's why, but why is that why? But exactly. And it's like, I have always been, and I, and I know I was this weekend too, the, the person in class that's like asking that question. I'm like, but I want to know like deeper or like, am I doing this right? Or like, show me the exact way this is supposed to be done so that I fully understand it in my brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, are you one of those people that when you ask a question, the educator will look at you and be like, what are you even asking? Yeah. yeah oh, totally. 110%. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like, I don't know if it's just how my brain works or whatever, but yeah, I mean. You're like asking questions and they look at you and they just go, um, you'll never need to know that. I know, but I don't, <laughs> I, I still want to know why because it helps make sense in my brain, you know? It's that back pocket information. Yeah. Yeah. That- you know, you just keep back there because you want to be, you want to know it. And the one time that you can spit that out in a class, people look at you like you are just the smartest human being on the planet because you shouldn't know it. There's yeah. no reason why you should know that. And then someone will ask you a question or like a coworker will ask something and it'll be the one time in your life you need to use that little nugget of information. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. think you are the smartest human being on the planet. <laughs> I feel like Superman whenever I pull it out. I'm like, oh. I did know that. Right. I always answer the question, and when they look at me with, like, shock on their face, I just, this little smirk that I have. (laughs) That's funny. Well, sometimes, like, because Hunter and I sit right next to each other at work, I'll be like, I don't know, somebody will ask me a question, and I'll be like, I know that Hunter can explain it better, because he knows the spiel, and he knows the line, like, a thousand times better than I do, you know what I mean? And so I'll be like, well, it's because X, Y, and Z, and blah, blah, I'm like, wait, Hunter... Tell them. <laughs> I'm like, you say you say it better than I do. And then it like always sparks a conversation yeah. between our clients too. So I feel like Erica and I have like a really cool bond between us and our clients are starting yeah. to become bonded to the other person. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Yeah. Oh, like well, I have a client when I was going to be gone and she was like, um, I need to get in. Does Hunter have an appointment? And I was like, girl, I got you. Like, I got time this day or this day. Hunter's booked. Sorry, you know. But like, I didn't I mean, look at his books, t- but he is full. <laughs> yeah. He is so full. No, you were. And then, so I was like, well, I'll be back so I can do it this day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was just funny. I was like, my clients know you and your clients know me. Well, and especially now that we have the podcast too. Right, yeah. I had a um, a work wife like that. I'm in a suite now, mm-hmm. but before when I was in um, like a full service, huge salon, <laughs> it was, I believe, 18 chairs. There were quite oh, a few stylists. Mm-hmm. And then there was this one girl, Kat, and we bonded and our clients bonded. And she left a few years before I did, but ironically, we're in the same suite building now. She's oh, literally cool. four suites down from I me. I love it. So my clients will come in and they'll either hear her or she'll walk past and mm-hmm. they'll see her and they'll go, oh my gosh, is that cat? How yeah. is she? Aww. And they like remember from That's three, so four years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys do have like a, it's like a sisterhood thing. Like you guys aren't friends, you're sisters. Oh yeah. We had Christmas dinner together Aww. this year. Yeah. Love that. So what about you, Ray? What is your why? Um, okay. Well, I have a why and I have a how. Okay. So my, I'll start with like the how, like how I decided to get into education. Um, I'd been doing hair for a few years and I'm going to be very honest. I just felt like my cup wasn't getting full anymore. Mm-hmm. No matter what I did, no matter in every, I feel like every time you get burnt out, someone says take a vacation. Yeah. And I'd like get back from vacation. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, maybe now I need what? to do it again because it didn't work. <laughs> so 
I decided, um, so my friend Kat had ironically become an educator and she is telling me how fun it is and, you know, whatever. And I decided maybe I'll apply. I did always want to be a teacher. So that's like a little known fact from literally as long as I can remember up until I was 17 years old, I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. So I figured maybe I'll just teach just not in the public school system. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, like it. But then like my why behind like why why educating, especially something like Hune, like why I picked Hune. Um, I like to, when you, when someone asks you a question and you help them out or when you can show them like a color technique and you can tell that something in their brain clicks, it's like this light bulb goes off that you can, you can almost visibly see it happen. Yeah, totally. And you can just tell it's one of those moments where like their career is not going to be the same after mm-hmm. that. And I think it's really cool because yeah. I don't, and I don't want it like, I don't want them to go, oh, well, that, you know, that educator, mm-hmm. she changed my life. I just want them to, to know that, like, oh, this this piece of information or the way she explained this or, you know, yes, the, this technique, totally. like, changed everything and just, like, then pour that out into other people, too. That was how, kind of how education would fill my cup, you know what I mean, is after a class when somebody come up to me and they'd be like, because, again, working for Brazilian, we were teaching the same class. You could see the same class from three or four different educators and learn something different just because of different people's teaching style you know what I mean so when somebody would come up to me and be like the way that you explain that was like oh my gosh I feel I get it now you know and for me when I would have those moments those were the things that would change my career that would that would fill my cup you know what I mean and so to be able to do that for other people it feels good you know and it's funny because sometimes it's the simplest things like yeah that. totally like sometimes it's not even the curriculum that you're teaching it might just be the way that you phrase it mm-hmm. like I'll never exactly. forget an educator telling me I wish I could remember who it was but I don't mm-hmm. she was in the salon and I had asked her a question I said I have a color correction coming in tomorrow and I'm gonna have to remove a lot of layers of hair color I'm gonna have to lighten more than once mm-hmm. so I asked her products recommendation like what lightener would you recommend yeah and I, I will never forget she looked at me and she said um, it doesn't really, she was like, when it comes down to product selection, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, what matters is how you're mixing it and how you're using it. Yep. And she said, you know, if you're going to layer lightener on top of the same hair more than once, don't use anything over 20 volumes. Mm-hmm. And no one had just yeah. phrased it like that of like, yeah. you know, for a fact, you're going to do it more than once. Don't go really hard and heavy on the first try. Absolutely. Cause you're going to fry it off. Oh my gosh. So that's funny that you say that. Cause there's something I learned in beauty school. There was a guy from L'Oreal that came and like did a little class in beauty school and it has stuck with me my entire career and I never use more than 10 volume maybe 15 volume when I do blonde and I can take someone with level 3 hair and get them blonde in one day safely because I use 10 volume Mm -hmm. and I just let it sit you know what I mean and that's why people like a lot of my clients are people who are recovering damage you know from other stylists that have used higher volumes and for me he said 10 and 20 take out larger pieces of pigment slowly whereas 30 and 40 are going to take out smaller pieces faster and so yes it might get there faster but you're not going to be able to have i just had an aha moment Did you? Like, <laughs> right in this I second love it. yeah because it makes sense it's, i mean i know uh, that i'm using 10 and 20 volumes yes. because it's a slower lift and slower and mm-hmm. steadier wins the race but it makes so much sense that it removes bigger pigments slower yes. and smaller pigments faster. faster. Oh my and god. And that's why you get a more even lift with a 10 volume. You don't have that horrendous orange that like I mean you can obviously depending on what it is, but if you're lifting virgin hair, you get so much of a better 
even pure clean lift if you're using a lower volume. Wow. So, yeah. Look at that. I know. And that one was in beauty school and it stuck with me this long. So Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and Ray, you said something earlier that um was pretty cool how one of your clients mentioned that she had never seen someone have like more than one formula in a singular foil. And mm. what did you say was your response to her? Because that was really cool too cuz it gave me a small aha moment as well. Oh, it took me a second to remember what my response was. Um, so I was highlighting her hair, and this was my first time ever coloring her. And I, so I was using a different formula on her root, and her ends were previously lightened, so two different formulas. And she was watching me in the mirror, and she said, oh, is that two different formulas? I've never had that done. Uh-huh. And I looked at her and said, you haven't? Yeah. And she said, no. And like normally they just use the same formula in the whole foil. And I looked at her and I said, well, it's two different canvases. Yeah. So you have to use two different, like you can't use one formula to get two different canvases to be the same. The same. Yeah. So I said, you have to put the strong one on the dark roots Mm -hmm. and then something really, really gentle on the blonde ends Yeah. so that they can sit the same amount of time, rinse them out and they'll be the same color. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's kind of, there was a. It's similar but different for me when I first learned about like starting with a lower volume and working your way up, like when you're doing a full foil. Yeah. And I mean, it's something so small, but it made such a huge difference in the way I was able to color hair because then you're not stuck washing out the back, leaving the front to sit because it's still, you know what I mean? Obviously, it depends on your work and how quickly you are and where you're at and that type of thing. But that for me was like light bulb. Yeah, instead of having to rip out half the head of foils. Yeah, and then, totally. And then especially in the beginning when you're really slow it and you're feels, not even yeah. done with the foil exactly. yet. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that I, like, whenever I was slower, something that uh, one of my bosses at Style America. Oh, Lord. The one that I pointed out <laughs> next to the airport um, taught me to start with high lift in the back. And then, because she was really slow. She was like, I'm a really slow hairstylist. Mm-hmm. It takes me a long time to foil a head of hair. Yeah. So what I do is I start with my high lift color mm-hmm. where it's going to be on the longest. And then I work my way up to like 10 or 20 volume mm-hmm. in the front. And you end up getting the same lift if you formulate your high lift color properly as a lightener. Hmm. High lift for me has been something that only just recently have I started really messing with because I just hadn't had predictable results before Hewn, honestly. And, yeah. you know, obviously being around you and I can ask you all the questions. So help me formulate is helpful too, but. Yeah, I'm a seven vol- volume kind of gal. I start with seven yeah. in the back and mm-hmm. then I'll work my way up to Ten. whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe even 30. Yeah. I will I will put 30 volume in like two foils. Just the last two. Just the last two sometimes. If everything else is like a level or two away, I'll pop some 30 in there. But going above a 20 for me is like See, I would rare. probably foil it the same. And then if it wasn't catching up, I would take some pure like 30 ball and just paint it on top. You are a queen of that. <laughs> you know how like in hair school they tell you like zone toning and stuff like that and it's not something that you really keep up with all the time yeah. if you're busy Erica will 100% of the time zone tone every one of her clients <laughs> yeah sometimes I'll tone with um, like Tinta and 20 Ball 
on the ends too. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot. Well, and then she'll do like there'll be one spot that needs nine point one, and then everything else she's just <laughs> using like nine point three one. And she will oh, pick that. out that yep. 9.1 area and put the 9.1 on it every single time, like, well, without I want fail. It perfect. <laughs> well, and it's the one time that you won't do that, that the client's going to go home and, and find that And one find spot. that piece. And you're, and like, and you're like, like, the heck Ugh. did you do to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what something that we learned this weekend, and it's why do people come to you when yeah. they pass 15, 20 other hairstylists on the way to mm-hmm. you, if not more than that? And for you, way more than that, because some of your clients are driving hours. Yeah, and there's also like twenty uh, something other hairstylists in the same building as me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I do have a lot of clients that commute from pretty far north or south to come. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody this weekend ask Shell how many other salons were in the area, and mm-hmm. she was—I mean, it was in the thousands. Yes. Yikes. So there are over 2,500 in like less than a hundred mile radius of our salon. Yeah. And we are the busiest salon in the area. Wow. Yeah. So that's there's a reason. That's why we got that class. <laughs> wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to be really nosy and look that up for my like city and county. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, for me, that was like almost humbling. I'm like, dang. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's easy to, because you and I have had this conversation, and I know you and I have had the conversation where we're so busy a lot of times that yeah. we're like, oh my God, I just wish someone would cancel. You're right. Or, like, I don't, it's easy to think, like, I'm just so busy when everyone else is like, man, I really want to go there to get my hair done. Totally. It's like, wow, you really need to make sure that you're taking care of the people Mm -hmm. that are there because there are other people that want that spot. And it's, it's weird. It's a crazy, it's a crazy like mind game. It is. It is totally. It's like you're fighting your brain. Your, your brain is telling you, ew, just someone cancel. I need a break. I want to leave early, something like that. But then I'm like, I have to rewire the way my brain thinks and be like, no, I'm going to be grateful that I'm this busy. I'm going to be grateful that I have a wait list and I can't really fit in a lot of new clients. I'm going to be grateful for it because you know, without it, like my bills aren't getting paid. So I'm going to do that. But then at the same time, I'm like. Can my last client on Friday just cancel so I go home early? Well, (laughs) exactly. Obviously, we talked about burnout a couple episodes back, but like uh, that is real. But in moments where like after thinking about that, I feel like when I'm feeling that way, I'm going to think about that. Like I should be grateful that these people choose to spend their money with me. Well, and it's it's, I'm so much more than just spending like money on them too, because arcs are so weeks that are really heavy especially in the world where there's just a lot of not great stuff going on those are the weeks when I feel the most burnout because clients will sit there and they'll just tell you they'll lay all of that heaviness on you yeah and as stylists that's kind of just we just take it on and carry Mm -hmm. that and by the end of the week I'm so worn out and I'm just like I'm not feeling it I, I can't do this anymore so I have to remind myself too, that's a huge deal. And I'm going to be forever grateful that all of the people that sit in my chair feel like they can do that, whether it's like totally. world stuff or it's personal, like I'm getting divorced. This just happened. This just happened. They tell me that they feel comfortable telling me that like, that's a huge deal. And sometimes it can get overwhelming. I'm like, I wish they would just shut up yeah. because I can't do this. It's too emotional. But then other times I'm like, no, I'm going to be really grateful that they trust me enough to say that because mm-hmm. I don't trust it's a true. lot of people with yeah, my personal that's stuff. That's the other thing is we do touch 
you know, people's like they do. It's a therapy session sometimes, you know what I mean? And like people open up to us, you know, so a part of it is like our education and our techniques and things like that. And the other part of it is the experience and how comfortable and safe they feel in our chair. And, you know, we touch them and like there is an energy exchange that happens there. I mean, here comes my hippie girl coming out. But, (laughs) you know, it is it's true, you know, and sometimes there are those clients that it is heavy and it's like, or, you know, like, okay, I'm this person's it's not about me it's they're having a hard time you know what I mean like whatever it may be but if you can make them feel better about the way they look or even just having got some stuff off their shoulders like that's satisfying mm-hmm. and again an honor to be able to do that for them yeah and I feel like I'm glad that you mentioned earlier about how whenever you're feeling burnout people are like well maybe you should go on vacation and I would I honestly think that I was burnt out until we went to this class because I went on vacation and I yeah. came back and I was like, ugh, still? <laughs> like, I have four full, four full foils in a row. Yeah. Again? Mm-hmm. Again. Mm-hmm. And then we got back from that class and I was like, oh my God, I have four full foils, full in, a foils in a row. I'm going to, and even though it was yeah. a cutting class, I was like, I'm going to take the techniques that we learned with like the perimeter, the interior, and the top of the head. Totally. It completely changed the way that our colors were looking. So every single client that next week after that class, and it's not just me, not just Erica, Mm -hmm. everyone in the salon, even the ones that were like, oh yeah, it was a great class, but I was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Or I felt like we could have done something differently. Every one of us had work that was going out of the salon that was better than the week totally before. well and that first haircut that i did you better believe i stepped way the heck out of my comfort zone started in a different area of the head that i never would have imagined to do so before but i took what i learned from that class and was like whoa it does translate into the real world and you know <laughs> what i mean and like we talked about this but my biggest takeaway from this last weekend was the why of everything to think about why you're doing it whether it's color placement or starting in a certain section of the head whatever 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 and now mind you there were haircuts that I did where I went and did it the way I had been doing it because I knew it worked and it was good and I liked it but there were other ones where I was like okay I'm gonna try this you know what I mean and just watching it translate into something better than I was doing before was like scary but awesome at the same time mm-hmm. you know have you ever done like you get back from a haircutting class and you, you're like I want to do this technique or I want to try this but you don't want to forget it mm-hmm. so you have like your head sheets out in front of your client and you're using it as a cheat sheet <laughs> or am I the only one that does that I, I can't say that I did that but I have done it before mm-hmm. I um well what I I think is really cool is they taught us this um I don't want to give too much away and I can tell you after the class, but they taught us like this cutting po- like body position yeah. thing that literally changed everything. So um, we, I used that body positioning thing on every single one yep. of my clients, no matter what it was, whether I was doing a cut, a blow dry, mm-hmm. whatever. And it, everything was just like, ugh. See, and that's the other part of it is like, yes, there were haircuts where I did do uh, the same technique that I had been doing, but I was thinking about where I was standing, which way I was cutting, my wrist, my arm, my angles in a different way than I had been before. I am a self-taught like hairdresser. Like this is where Hunter and I very 
varied quite a bit in our skill and technique and approach to hair is like I started doing hair when I was 13 because my stepsister was in beauty school and I just kind of learned from her literally my first head of highlights was with a butter knife and some ripped up into quadrants yeah from like Reynolds wrap foil kitchen foil not Reynolds hair chopstick you used a butter knife (laughs) butter knife I got a tiktok on my tiktok of me doing my mom's hair with a butter knife a couple months ago yeah not even joking so yeah like where my best friend would I would section her hair in like ponytail somewhere I've got a picture of it where her hair is like and like I would process one section at a time and I would do multiple color weaves and I just like with color and a highlight and this and that and like I just would ask my sister if I had questions. So by the time I got to beauty school, I'd already been doing hair, honestly, for like four or five years. Wow. Yeah. And I just like, I mean, the way I could show you on a mannequin the way I used to do um, layers and it worked. <laughs> like, I don't know how it worked. I just kind of would look at the head and it's, I look at it more as a sculpture. So things that I am in awe of is like precision cutting. Like that doesn't. To me, it's visual. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there actually was a moment in our class that was extremely validating where I was like, okay, so it is okay to go in and cut visually at, you know, certain points and things like that. You know what I mean? But then so these precision angles and 45 low and 45 this and convex and concave and all these technical terms are not a way that I learned how to do hair. So some of it I learned in beauty school and like took it and made it my own. You know what I mean? But I always have kind of had a little bit different like amateur, I feel like, approach sort of to doing hair. And like in a way it leads to a little bit of imposter syndrome too because I'm like I'm not that good because I don't have these words and these things like that. So like that's why I had so many aha moments this weekend because it was shown to me in a way that made sense in my brain that already had these I'm going to call them bad habits it's not necessarily what they are but like different techniques I guess so it was cool I think you know I think we've covered a lot of great topics and I think we've even in the room have had some you know uh, aha moments tonight we've talked about the what and we've talked about the why what I think is going to round this out is to tell people how Mm -hmm. to seek out higher education or advanced education. So like, what are, what are things that the three of us do? Cause I'm sure we all three do something differently to educate ourselves. How do we find the resources that we found thus far? Well, I mean, I think obviously reps are like your distributor rep is a good way, especially they're going to have education on brands that you're more than likely going to have access to and be using. Um, But I think if anything good in the hair biz came out of the panorama, it would be more access to online education. Um, Kuhn has their Facebook lives that they were doing that are still online you can get or, um, you know, YouTube Obviously, make sure they're a real hairdresser. Not just a YouTube beauty guru. Um, but I think, I mean, I think that I did that a lot mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Or just even watching, like, stylists at you admire their work. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll put out 
a technique or a formula or you know something like that but do you feel like you get a lot of like little in salon training moments throughout like your career working with other people so honestly not really too much until I mean I can always pick something up from somebody because I'm always inquisitive on like if somebody's doing something different but working at bombshells was really the first experience where I ever in my career had um working under someone like when I was working I shouldn't say under working with alongside alongside we only work for the lord <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah my boss says yeah. you don't work for nobody but the lord honey yeah you work with me with her on, sister for the lord right love that. i know i love it too but um so for me that was really cool and i don't think that my brain would have really been ready if life circumstances hadn't lined up just exactly the way that they did for the sweet magic to happen that was the blossoming that I feel like I've had personally and professionally at my new place um and I definitely think that that guidance and kind of structure was exactly what I needed without really knowing it and I mean if I have a regret in my career it is not doing an apprenticeship like I got out of school like I want to make money doing what I love and I didn't want to be dusting shelves and sweeping someone else's hair I wanted to be doing hair but in retrospect looking back I wish I had had done something like that it goes back to the 10 volume yeah you gotta start slow yeah Right? Like, if you want to be that stylist that's making all that money, mm-hmm. you've got to go, you know, learn from someone. You, do. you can't, you do. it can't all be no. independent. And mm-hmm. I would say, like, you've made it a really far, a really <laughs> long way just by, yeah. you know, teaching yourself. And, like, you have the drive and the passion. But whenever you had that team and that, like, the guidance of yes. an uh, associateship. Mm hmm. Is when, like you said, you've blossomed more than you ever mm-hmm. have in your career because it just gives you tools and like technical. It's a foundation, yes, you know, and a like a a structure to work off of. I guess. I mean, I don't know. It just, I'm just excited that it's that it has happened the way that it has. I guess, but um, yeah. If there's any advice for any new stylist in the industry, if you don't have a mentor already, find one pronto. Like a hundred percent. If I can tell you in my old wise wisdom, it is that a hundred percent. That's why I'm I'm stoked for our newest associate that she's gonna get to learn things the right way the first time. (laughs) I feel like it's easy in this industry to get in and see people doing really well, especially with social media these days and stylists talking so openly about how much money they make and how how much they do or don't work. And so it's easy to get in and have tunnel vision and Mm -hmm. see that as the end goal. That I mean, you're seeing people these these days be licensed for six months before they're yeah. going out on their own and they're independent and they're yeah. seat rental and mm-hmm. and as great as that is and as awesome as it as it is that financially that works out for them, I think long term down the road you get so much more from taking it slow in the beginning. Absolutely, slow and steady wins the race, baby. I think that's true. Well, and you just recently. You just recently went out on your own, but you, if I remember correctly, because I've obviously not remembered (laughs) Rayfax very well today, uh, you've only worked at like two salons, right? You've only, you've not had very many salon jobs. Like you've stuck with it and like learned from that 
experience that you had. Yeah, for sure. So I've worked at two salons and then um, went out on my own. And the first salon, I started as an assistant while I was still in school. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were probably two girls there that, because we didn't have, it was a really small salon. We didn't have a structured like apprenticeship or assistant program. But I would say there were two girls there that really took me under their wings and taught me things like clippered haircuts. Mm -hmm. We didn't learn those in school. Yeah. I'd never held a pair of clippers until one of my very first coworkers, Lauren, showed me how to do a clippered haircut. And then I practiced on my high school boyfriend at the time and it took two and a half hours. Girl. If it makes you feel better, (laughs) if it makes you feel better still to this day, clippers make me sweat a little bit. Really? I get a little hot sometimes when I have to pick them up. I mean, I'm way more comfortable now. Before I started at Bombshells, this is really funny, I went and forced myself to work at a Great Clips, like, part-time, so that I could practice. Practice. And I never got as fast as the girls, but I just, just by sheer volume, the comfort of it, I do feel a lot better. But it's still, like, probably my least confident area. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But. Um, okay, awesome. I think that. We um, didn't oh, do iced tea. Oh, iced tea. We're going to talk about. We're going to have an. We have an update. We have an update. From last week. We're horrifically uh, underprepared. So, the update is basically that Brittany. Spears, we talked about her husband, ex-husband, crashing. Uh, 55 hours. Yes, crashing <laughs> the um, the wedding. And unfortunately, don't have it right in front of me, so this could be halfway incorrect. But so he got charged with all those charges we talked about, like the trespassing and the assault. And they also um, got him, Brittany got a restraining order on him, and they hit him with something else i think it was like a stalking charging of stalking or something like that well and not only did she get a restraining order she got a restraining order for three years three years yeah. which is weird because they only issue restraining orders for a year, a year. so i don't know if she has to like every year when it expires go and renew it but she somehow got a three-year restraining order on yeah, this man for breaking crazy. into her wedding well and and she fired her entire security team because of the break-in yeah. Or the security breach. And here I was the whole time thought he got an invite. <laughs> right? I know. That was funny. Because he said he went up to security and he was like, Brittany invited me. I'm here to crash the wedding. But like, why would he randomly show up? That's weird. Because he's a psycho, obviously. So weird. I think he has some mental health issues for oh, sure. Excuse me. I shouldn't have said that. That was insensitive. I don't think it. I mean, I don't think that was insensitive. I think that <laughs> I think that he has a little level of psychosis. There is a level of psychosis, but we are not doctors, so we are so... not prescribing him. With... <laughs> we are not diagnosing. But, no, but let's not get canceled, right? Yeah, um... totally. So moving on, the other thing that I was going to say is talk about is that Miss um, Amber Heard, Ugh, Amber Turd, she is on. Um... Kind of like a press tour right a now. Rampage she did it. is what She's I would so call annoying. it. An She's NBC so special annoying. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm watching it right, and I'm like, this looks like the same bad acting in the trial. Well, she's just doubling down on what she said in the trial. Right. No, what she's doing is finding a way to pay Johnny all that money she owes him because you know she ain't got any of it. It's a press tour. Well, that's true. She is, um, they keep saying she is going to be appealing it, so we'll see what happens there. But You know that happened like 45 minutes from my, from like where I live. Really? Really? Yeah. So I do kind of want, I don't want to, but to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah. 
there's been a lot of people that are talking about like, oh, well, she's flying in on private jets to all of these press tours and she's taking back entrances and using a, what are, what are they called whenever it's multiple cars with security and like oh, black like cars a, with the bulletproof windows, like a, like a entourage, a or caravan. caravan. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it, like people are threatening to kill her yeah. and like stick her baby in a microwave. So oh, that for the rest, so, that's so effed up. So for the rest of her life, have you not heard that? That's no. sad. Yes. People are like sending her death threats, sending her baby death threats, saying that they would put her baby in a microwave. That is so what messed is up. What is wrong with people? See, that's another thing that I was going to say. And like, even when we talked about it the first time and obviously the results of the trial are what they are. And it does kind of tie into something I was about to bring up is like, she has supposedly some text messages, which I saw little screenshots of them where she's telling like her dad and her friend, like, and her therapist, there's like, um, pages of notes and stuff that wasn't admitted in the trial that like when he did abuse her and this and that. So there's not necessarily like, a video of said thing happening, but there's these messages where she's like telling her family and friends about it and telling her therapist about it. And I do feel like it's really easy to pick favorites. And I myself have been like, Oh, she's a bad actress and this and that. But I will tell you that like, that was a dysfunctional relationship. Oh, from the the way around, you know, and I do feel for her because her life is never going to be the same. Nope. And I do feel like maybe she embellished some things or, or whatever, but I do think that it would be harsh or ignorant maybe even to look at that and be like, oh, she was the only one who did anything wrong. No. You know? I've been saying from the very beginning, I've watched the recaps of every single day, Johnny was not an angel. This was the most toxic relationship I think I've ever seen in my whole entire life. I think throughout the whole trial people lost sight of why they were suing each other totally and now it's become a thing of like people are obsessed with johnny depp and they're so happy that he won and they're being so just disgusting to her like i i don't understand what goes through people's head like y'all i'm trying to get to heaven one day i don't Mm -hmm. understand what goes through people's heads when they do stuff like Mm -hmm. that i'm like okay i the second the verdict was read i was like okay i'm over it i'm done yeah i don't hear about this anymore Mm -hmm. yeah like it is what it is and just people are psycho yeah I mean, it is like it's easy to be like, you know, they're celebrities and it's in the news and you it's easy to like almost dehumanize them and just make them talking points. Yeah, it's like a story playing out, especially when they're actors, because it's like this is what you do. And right. It's easy to like take away from that. But having been in dysfunctional relationships myself, like no one (laughs) acts their best when you're in a situation. Right. And then imagine if you had a camera in your face and then the whole world like is watching is watching it, you know. And, and there's no you. way, there's no way that they stayed off social. It was everywhere. Yeah. Like you couldn't even open the Google, like Google Chrome on your phone mm-hmm. without a, a pop-up of Amber and Johnny. Or you're getting an alert from Google. That's like the newest headline about Amber yeah. and Johnny. You didn't exactly. even search for it. It's just yeah. there. And I think that like, even though, yeah, like she pooped on his pillow. She did. Uh, <laughs> like. She is a whole human. She so. is a whole human. And we're all imperfect. And, you know, none of us act the best. And, I mean, again, I have my thoughts and opinions. And there, I believe, was a pattern of documented pattern of uh, behavior on her point or end. Mm-hmm. However, 
It was you, a toxic relationship. It, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was chaos all around. Exactly. So, like, I just feel like I'm glad that it's over now. Yeah. But she may be digging herself a deeper hole? Question I don't mark. No, I mean it might be one of those things where it's like just a giant mess, and then it ends up making her money in the end and or something. Just, I feel like this makes her look even worse. Yeah, and because the trial literally just ended, and she's already done all of these interviews and. It's just interesting because it, like, personally, if it were me, I'd probably wait until my ex-husband, the one that technically won the lawsuit, I would probably wait till he went public and then I would go public. I wouldn't, like, immediately, like, go public with my side of the... Especially if my side of the story isn't anything different from what I've said in the courtroom. Right. Well, would she have even done it if it weren't for her attorney going on that the news channel the very next day? Yeah. If not, I think maybe even the night that it that finished... Evening. Where, you know, that football player called her out and said, maybe you should look in the mirror mm-hmm. about this. Like, would Amber have even gone on a press tour immediately after the trial if it weren't for her legal team literally the day it <laughs> ended saying I don't know, man. she's going to fight this? Her attorneys did her so dirty. And there's rumors that Elon Musk paid for them. And so he did her dirty, too, because he could have afforded better lawyers. He really could have. And they did her so dirty throughout the whole trial and just immediately afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more iced tea topic since you brought up Elon Musk. And I know that, like, I just don't know if people are talking about, aren't talking about it. What? But the space thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're so cute. They're laughing because I've been, I've been talking about it nonstop. It's. (laughs) Hunter didn't know about, like. The, the space billionaire race. space race. Did you know about the billionaire space race? Yeah, Honey, I've heard about that. Elon Musk is like the president of Mars or something, didn't he? Name himself like the but, ruler of Mars. <laughs> but why am I, I just re- now online. hearing about it? Because I watched the the he has a movie and a docu series yeah. on Netflix. He's a docu series, girl. That's <laughs> my list. Yes. <laughs> And this it's is so about, funny. And it's about how he sent the first all civilian crew into space. And you like apparently everyone already knew that he sent the first civilian crew into space. However, I did not. And it documents like the them choosing the civilians that got to go into space. And then like they started with saying they were just gonna orbit the atmosphere of the Earth. And then one of them, uh, it was the first person to go into space, not only with a prosthetic limb, but also uh, the first cancer survivor to go into space. Oh, shit. She said, well, if we're going to do it, why don't we go further than anyone's ever gone before? I love it. And so they went above the International Space Station and... Um, orbited the Earth for three Earth days, which I don't know how long that is in real life, but they're going 17,000 miles an hour around the Earth for three whole Earth days, and then they come back and landed in the ocean. That is so um, dope. Why? Why not? I would love like, to go just, to space. Just because dude. Elon Musk loves space, or like, why is he doing this? I think his whole goal He's is trying to, to colonize create, Mars. Yeah, an interplanetary race because he thinks that. Well, I mean, he knows that the Earth isn't going to last forever, but it there's like a kind of a divide on that too. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, when the Earth is done, the Earth is done, and humanity is done. 
unless um, we can colonize another planet before. Is right. there, isn't that going to piss Russia off? Oh, for sure. But I think that Russia and I think that we work together with them on the international. I think space. There is. Yes. Yeah. I think that our like the NASA and space and the interplanetary species thing. I think that is the one thing that America and all of the other countries work together on. Um, Hunter, I I don't think Russia is working well with anybody right now. I mean, they're at the International Space Station right now. The astronauts uh are not um, Putin. (laughs) <laughs> right you know what i mean i think i don't that it's, i don't know what is going on with the, that i'm not one to speak on it just but just in the so everybody this is um feelings no facts we don't this is not verified Ooh, there we, we go. have not i stole that from another from my favorite podcast but it's legit <laughs> it's feelings no facts right yes we have not verified this is not fact checked like all i know is that if that happens and we have to go live on another planet and elon musk is in charge of it Jesus, I don't want to live through that. Like, <laughs> Jesus, take me take home because I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just crazy to me. Like, I, mean, I, don't I don't know we'll that see it in our life, right? I don't think that we will. But and Erica is the type of person that's like, why not go to space? Yeah, and I'm the person that's like, why go to space? Because it's really dangerous. You could die before you even exit Dude, the planet. Dude, could you imagine? Like, if you like, what a dope ass way to die like if i'm gonna die shoot me up into space and let me die up there and looking at the earth that would be so rad i think mm. yeah i think i would go to space i think i, I don't want to live there but like let me orbit the earth if you guys right cool. you think so i don't know that i could it's like i don't think the you could. preparation of it i think would give me so much anxiety that i would pass away before i It'd got be like the most epic roller coaster ever i do love a good roller coaster yeah. But, so, you know, at Epcot, they have that whole ride that, like, gives you, a, like, a feel of what it would be like to get on a rocket ship. What? Yeah, they have this whole, like, it's a rocket simulator type deal. Maybe I'll have Bradley come up here and explain it explain to you it. later. But it's supposed to mimic almost exactly what you would feel, what it would feel like to ride a rocket ship into oh, space. heck yeah. From, like, takeoff through the atmosphere... And then once you get to orbit. Dope. That would be and so cool. made me so sick. Did it? <laughs> did you get jelly legs? Did you feel like jello? Yes, I did. I just and your think heart so feels cool. like it's, it feels like something like it, the ride at Epcot. <laughs> feels <laughs> like there's something like so heavy sitting on your chest and you can't really breathe. You can't really move your head. Like you, but and imagine doing that, not being able to breathe or really even move your head, but also in the midst of that, you're a pilot having to hit buttons, yeah, yeah. to launch yourself into space. Right. Ooh, dude, that's like I saw Top Gun, the new Top Gun, <laughs> yeah, was it yesterday or the day before? And they're like going, um, like the G force, and they're like trying to plan for this crazy impossible mission, you know what I mean? And then they're in these fighter jets and they're going at such forces that, like, there's a point where they're talking about, like, you could pass out. And ultimately, when they're training, like, I'm not going to give too much away, but somebody comes real close to doing exactly that and it being bad. And it's like, that is that much more. When you're going into space, even, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you're going even, like, crazy fast and crazy high. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's intense. It doesn't mean I wouldn't do it if I had the opportunity. 
I think that my the biggest iced tea moment is just the the, the space race thing. Like I hunter. didn't think that that was still a thing after the Challenger, but apparently yeah. they didn't stop after they killed seven people. Mm-mm. They didn't stop after they killed fourteen people. They kept going, honey. I'm gonna keep my happy little butt here on Earth. I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they, but they're. But it, that's what's so yeah. cool about you. Just have to watch the docu series yeah. because it explains that like Elon being the richest man on earth um, has all of these resources to be able to build a rocket and sh- launch it to space without people in it, knowing that it's going to explode yeah. so that when it comes back down to earth, they can figure out what exploded, fix it and have a perfect rocket to go into space by itself first and then send people on it. Yeah. Which is smart. Cause then, you know, that's how I people know, don't die. That's how I know God has favorites because my brain does not work like that. And Elon <laughs> was just born that way. <laughs> There's a show on uh, Netflix or Hulu called God's Favorite Idiot. Oh my gosh, I watched that. <laughs> it's so funny. It has Melissa Carthy and her husband in it. Oh, oh I, I didn't know they were that. married in real life. Mm-hmm. So you, you should watch it. It's adorable. It is. It's actually really cute. I watched it in LA <laughs> at the airport. But all right. I think we've covered it all, right? Yeah, we good. Yeah. Thanks, y'all, for listening to another episode of Break Room Banter. Oh, wait. Oh. Instagrams. Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. Okay. Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on our social media journey, I am at HairXHunter on Instagram. And I am Erica the Red. Head. Erica the Red Head. Ray, you have a couple Instagrams, so I'm going to let you pop on that. Far away. I I really just kind of have one. It's Stylist Ray. Do you not have one for your salon? Yeah, but the name's long. It's linked in my bio. Follow both. There you go. Stylist Ray R A E. Yeah. R A E. Yes. Um. Thank you so much for recording with us. This was fun. If you guys liked it, you should leave reviews and comments and messages and tell oh. me when to come back. Oh, th- look and at maybe her. Maybe check out <laughs> the, the Patreon. Patreon. It it's is live. live. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> We gotta stop. <laughs> okay, time to be done. <laughs> yes, our Patreon's live. Yes, it so is. So we have three tiers, $5, $10, and $50. That is a monthly fee. If you subscribe to the $50 tier, you get an exclusive mug. Yeah, baby. We have we merch. We have merch. You get an exclusive mug. It's $50 a month after you've been a part of our Patreon for three months mm-hmm. consecutively. The mug will automatically be shipped to you. And the $10 tier, we're going to do an extra episode every month. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be super uncut. We're not going to edit it. Yep. We're going to record it and post it. Which means all the juicy tidbits. Exactly. (laughs) And um, that tier and the tier, the $50 tier is where we will be experimenting with our video podcast. Yes. Before it goes live on YouTube. Uh Uh-huh. And then the $5 tier is uh, you get the episode a day early. A day early. Yes. So it's just a way for you guys to support us and to help us grow the podcast Mm -hmm. and make it better and better and better so that Ray and I don't have to swap this microphone back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. We need that third mic bad. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah, I'm really um, excited about it. I was also going to say, too, if you guys, are our dear listeners, have any, like, feedback or ideas for us or things you want to see or hear from us, too, like, please let us know because we are here to build this community for you guys and 
you're a huge part of it. Exactly. You couldn't do it without you, so. And I forgot to mention on the $50 tier, Mm -hmm. it is also going to have a monthly live education. Yeah. Class. Yeah. So say, for instance, if it were ready at this point, uh, after Ray was on the podcast, we would ask her to share one of her favorite techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, We would record it live. So you guys can ask questions, live education. Um, And then it would also be available after that as well. Yeah. For access. And for just for our $50 tier. Yep. And it will stay there. It will stay there as long as the platform will let us keep it there. Yeah. But with all that being said, this has been another episode of Break Room Banter. Until next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>